Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Happy Easter to you, beloveds. Today we find ourselves liturgically at the end of the season of Easter, the Easter tide, as we call it, those weeks that follow Easter Sunday. And yet we find ourselves right back where we started. Started what, you might ask? The Paschal Triduum, the holy three days that began with the liturgy at noontime on Maundy Thursday. We're given this lengthy prayer in John's 17th chapter, a prayer in which Jesus encourages his disciples to confidence and hope in the face of his imminent departure from them. This prayer and the 14 verses which follow complete what scholars refer to as Jesus' farewell discourse. So context matters. Chapter 12, triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Chapter 13, foot washing. 14 through 16, way to the Father promise of the Holy Spirit, the great commandment to love, sorrow, peace, and joy. And the chapters which follow, chapter 18, betrayal and arrest, chapter 19, crucifixion and burial, 20 and 21, resurrection appearances, doubts, some daybreak fishing, breakfast on the beach, and a call to feed, follow, love, love, and love. Quite the emotional roller coaster. A lot has happened. And yet, chapter 17, it seems in some ways that we have gone nowhere. Weeks and weeks have passed, yet I feel like I'm in this peculiar now. And so, we're getting an intimate glimpse, all of us, as faithful hearers, listening in on Jesus' words as he prays to God on behalf of all of us. These words appear at the end of the Last Supper and are presented as the words of one already resurrected. It's fabulous. I like to think of what Jesus reveals to us as the greatest Easter basket ever. It would be very easy for us to dwell in the feelings of abandonment or despair that most of us are experiencing as we live in what I've heard referred to as the second coming of Groundhog Day or Lentecost, not quite Lent, never quite Easter, with Pentecost bearing down. I've experienced this. We seem to need the certainty of the future. Luke tells us how very human that is and always has been in the opening to the Acts of the Apostles from our first lesson. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? I think this prayer, this Easter basket, cautions us to seek not the certainty of the future, 
but instead the clarity of now. One of the great themes of this chapter and what I find central to the prayer is this prominent language of giving. Nine times here in the 17th chapter and 75 times in the entirety of John's Gospel runs this thread of a mutual extravagance of giving. The jelly beans in the basket, and I do enjoy them very much. Jesus and God. Jesus and God, just in the being of their relationship, are givers. Givers of mutual grace, that same grace which belongs to those who belong to Jesus. It's an inherited gift. We come by grace genetically. There's a great love and mutuality in the just as language that's woven into their love for one another. And those brightly colored eggs, most of us enjoy hunting them or hiding them or both. Well, Jesus has given us the gift of knowing God's name, and it is truly a gift, being able to call upon God at any time by ourselves, without Jesus' intercession, without a prayer book, without a priest, right here, right here, each of us in our own homes. Jesus provides us a framework for the one who is the source of eternal life, the source of what was, what is, and whatever shall be, and invites us to understand that we need not worry ourselves about what will be, what will be, what will be our new normal. Well, what will be, will be and let it be. The peeps, you know, the little marshmallow animals all brightly colored and covered with castor sugar. Well, some people don't have a taste for peeps. They would rather have something else in their baskets, and, and I get that. In the same way that even as it is a gift, some people would prefer less word and more sacrament any sacrament. Of course, in John's context, the word has two meanings. We hear, in the beginning was the word. So the word is both Jesus and the Holy Scripture. I get that. And some folks want all bread and no word. All chocolate, maybe, and no peeps. Right now, there are more people who report reading or listening to the Bible on a daily basis than there have been since the liturgical movement surrounding the Second Vatican Council. The recovery of the liturgy of the hours, the daily prayers of the church, it has been startling. So maybe considering this a temporary dietary restriction instead of being starved to death will help. And the best thing in the basket, the big chocolate bunny. You name your flavor, whether it is milk chocolate, white chocolate, dark chocolate, non-dairy chocolate, it's the best. 
The best gift in the entire basket, to me anyway, it's the gift of belonging. Most important to me of anything Jesus says in this prayer is that we belong to Jesus. We belong. And we belong to each other. And therefore, we belong to God. Our belonging is so integral and central to the nature and purpose of God. Those whom you gave me from the world, they were yours, and you gave them to me. We belong. We are not uniquely individual. We are of a people, God's people. You belong. For us, this is our gift. Jesus. Jesus crucified, died, resurrected, and raised to eternal life that we may have life. That we may have life and life more abundant, and that it shall be eternal life. That's the certainty that I need. That's the hope that I need. That's the assurance I'm seeking for every day. And what happens between now and eternity in this liminal space in which we live? It's a risk. It's a risk and life has always been a risk. As followers of Jesus, we are not of this world, but we are most certainly in it. And the gifts Jesus has given us of teaching us relationship, inviting us to call God by name, provisions of the word to guide us, and the blessings of belonging, well, these are holy gifts that sustain us and equip us, that provide us hope and joy in our sorrow and in our despair. They are gifts for us Gifts to give as well, freely and with no expectation of reciprocity. We give because we were first given. God has called upon us. God has called upon us even amid the risks and uncertainties to be a community of disciples who are sent into a hurting world, a world that may reject us, may embrace us, a world that doesn't know how desperately it needs us, or maybe does. Maybe the world does know and awaits our coming because it can feel, deeply sense the very nature of our capacity for hope and for love. I have felt your faith growing. I have felt my faith growing. I've seen your hope, and I have felt your love. The church never closed. The church is the body of Christ, all of us. All of us given the promise of the Holy Spirit, promises that we're never alone, that we are guarded and sustained, 
And then given the power and the authority for the work that we have been given to do, God is with us. God is always with us. Happy Easter to you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia.